This is the Action Network Podcast. And it is good! All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch! They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown! You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible! Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to another edition of the Action Network Fantasy Flex Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, here as always with Sean Kerner. And today we are going to be breaking down running backs. We have a very special guest. But before I get to that, we have to let you guys know this is important. All right, guys cannot possibly stress this enough we are moving to our own feed we're moving to a new feed effective immediately you need to subscribe to our all new podcast which is just called fantasy flex and don't worry switching over is easy just click the new apple podcast link in this episode's description which will let you follow the all new fantasy flex podcast for all of our new nfl fantasy episodes or just search fantasy flex wherever you like to listen to podcasts starting right now with our next episode which will be the second part of our running back positional previews featuring the incredible jake seeley which is already live you can listen to it right now if you want So right now, go follow and subscribe to Fantasy Flex on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. All right. Now that that's out of the way, I'm very excited about today's guest because who better uh, to be talking running backs with than Graham Barfield, the co-owner of FantasyPoints.com and the founder of Yards Created, Graham. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. This is uh, it's always fun. I think we did this a couple years in a row now. So running it back for the third straight years uh, is great. And it's a perfect time to talk to you guys. I mean, training camp's rolling. Uh, news, actual news is rolling in. So uh, yeah, it's an ex- always an exciting time. I don't know about you guys. This is always like my favorite, one of my favorite times of the year. This, the draft, and then obviously like the opening of the season. Oh yeah. When just like reading through nothing but 53 man roster projections and like yeah. training camp notes, like, like, all right, I got it through 32 times 32 times. It's like, it's crazy. <laughs> but, uh, Sean, Sean, what's going on? man? Yeah. I'm in agreement. Preseason is my guilty pleasure. So I can't wait. This might be the last time I ever have money writing on Dwayne Haskins, but it's happening. Oh yeah. <laughs> With that being said, Dwayne. enough Dwayne Haskins talk. We got to get to the money makers, the fantasy money makers, and that is the running back position. We're going to talk through all of the different uh, RB1s. So I know a lot of people, you guys love to kind of think about what you're going to do early in the draft. Well, this is the episode for you because uh, all these guys are going pretty early uh, and they can make or break your your roster. So um, Graham, before we get into kind of going running back uh, by back here, I do want to start off with a question for you. Uh, it's a notoriously volume-driven position. Mm-hmm. You know, yards per carry is so volatile. It's hard to predict. Uh, so we're looking for every little edge that we can get. And uh, you invented uh, a methodology called Yards uh, Created, which, you know, helps evaluate back. So tell people a little bit about, about that and how it kind of gives you an edge. Yeah. So, man, six years ago, I started charting college running backs 
And um, yeah, just kind of breaking down, um, you know, what happens after the offensive line has or has not done its job. So, um, you know, this was six, seven years ago. So this is before like, you know, PFF and Sports Info Solutions had come out with a lot of, uh, a lot of like new metrics on running backs. Um, but when I was starting this up, it was like, you know, I would always see, you know, scouts or people on Twitter mention, hey, this guy is really good at making, you know, making guys miss, or hey, this guy's not very good at, you know, breaking through contact, but there's like no numbers associated with that. So yards created kind of, uh, it does that. It, it breaks down, you know, I, I chart uh, every running play for college running backs in terms of yards blocked and yards created. So after, you know, let's say running backs offensive line opens up four or five yards of a hole, uh, the running back makes a linebacker miss and uh, goes on for five or six more yards. I chart that as four yards blocked, five or six yards created, and a missed tackle forced by the line uh, on the linebacker. Um, and I also chart, you know, receiving plays. So I chart pass protection, you know, what kind of routes these guys are running, how deep their targets are. So it's it's kind of like a full breakdown of how, you know, not only how efficient running backs are in college relative to their offensive line, but it also, uh, you know, goes into usage and, and all of that good stuff too. So yeah. Uh, and this class, man, was not very good. Like just off the top, like we got a super top heavy class. And other than that, it's, uh, it's pretty dry in these streets. Who I got to ask you, like, who was the, the back that, you know, after charting surprised you the most, whatever the results were, whether mm-hmm. positive or, or negative, man, this year, I didn't really realize how good Javante Williams was. Like I, mm. I, watch like a little bit of college football. Um, I try to catch like a couple games like every week, um, but I really just don't have the time to like sink my teeth into college stuff until, uh, you know, after the Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, Javante Williams was definitely like my favorite watch this past year for sure. Yeah, it's like the Broncos almost seem like they know what they're doing again. Like, it, you know, they, they always kind of draw you in and, you know, they had that Super Bowl and then, you know, they obviously changed, you know, the front office and whatnot. But I mean, this team is so like attractive on paper except they just have this huge hole at quarterback and this huge hole at center but i mean the rest of the roster stacked and uh i too like williams i think he's gonna have a a pretty big year Uh, but let's get right into a guy who did not have a big year last year and that was christian mccaffrey and that was because couldn't stay healthy played only three games but we're not getting any type of injury discount we're not getting any type of sam darnold discount uh graham what are your thoughts on mccaffrey uh, as the number one running back as the number one overall fantasy pick in 2021 yeah and, and you're not getting any injury discount for good reason man i mean mccaffrey has been you know bulletproof the last two years you know obviously you know missed uh missed all those games last year like you alluded to but like even in the games he did play i mean he was still the same like high floor, high ceiling player. Uh, over the last years, he's averaged 29 fantasy points per game, which is just absurd. And he scored 20 or more in all but two of those games that he's played. So, I mean, the floor is literally 20 points. So even if you bake in a little bit of regression for this team, I still think McCaffrey, you know, scoring 25, 26 fantasy points, that's still going to be ahead of, you know, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara by, you know, a couple points. So even if you expect a little regression here, uh, he's still by far and away, uh, there's just so much like margin of safe, safety with with McCaffrey that he's still by far and away the the 101. Oh, I mean nobody predicts regression better than you. What do you have it at 25, 26 fantasy points? 
Yeah, I think, you know, that's the that's the big thing is like, what is this offense going to look like with Darnold? Like how many times are they going to be in scoring range? But the floor is just so sick with them. I mean, I don't really think Darnold's going to, you know, do too much differently in terms of like targeting their backs. So, yeah, just a slight dip. But I don't I don't think he's going to be at like 29, 30, but like, you know, 26, 27, 28 is, is very, very doable. And like I said, I don't think that's that big of a difference from like Cook, Kamara and Henry. Sean? Yeah, I you know, I agree with Graham. I think Kirsch McCaffrey's is a slam dunk um at number one overall. I'm not concerned. I know you're trying to throw out things out there that we should be concerned about. They are concerns, but he has about a 30 to 40 point cushion over Dalvin Cook. Yep. So he's gonna need a lot of things to go wrong to, to not be number one. Um, but you know, we saw even though he was only able to play in three games last year, you know, he finished second, sixth, and second those weeks. So, I mean, he just had a monster season in those three games. And then we saw, you know, Mike Davis thrive in this uh, new scheme under offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. We've seen him, you know, come through the saints organization with Alvin Kapara. Um, he coached uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire at LSU. So he has a really good scheme for pass catching backs. We saw it last year with Mike Davis. So I think the ceiling on Christian McCaffrey might be higher than we're thinking. Um, but, you know, I am a little bit concerned with the offense, um, might not be great under Sam Darnold. The, off, the offensive line has some concerns, but I think Christian McCaffrey is so good and he's going to see so much passing work that I'm, I'm able to overlook those because, as you mentioned, efficiency isn't that important when it comes to running backs. It's all about volume, and he's going to see that very valuable passing work. Um, that's why I'm taking him every single time number one overall. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I don't know if it's – maybe it's like the investing background or what, but – if I get a hundred number one picks, like I'm never taking one guy a hundred times. Like I always want to kind of um, diversify a little bit at because you're always taking running backs and there's just a non-zero chance that they're going to get hurt. And I, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later. I think uh, you can, there are some kind of predictors, but you really, at the end of the day, you don't know. Like Christian McCaffrey yeah, was the most durable back heading into last year out of pretty much this side of Derrick Henry. Yeah, that's a very good point. I always love making that point. Just because you take McCaffrey first doesn't mean he's going to finish first overall. Mm -hmm. But think of it this way. Like, if you have the second pick, you're never going to have a chance to take McCaffrey. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it is a way to kind of diversify <laughs> exactly what you're saying, where, you know, if I have the second pick, I take Dalvin Cook. So I'm getting an equal number of shares. Um, and the only way to do that really is to take McCaffrey number one overall. So I agree with your logic there, but it's it's almost impossible to not get him after number one. If you catch me in the right draft, you, you could get McCaffrey second. <laughs> That's what Chris is looking for. Right. No, nah, but no, I actually, I, I'm, I'm on board with, with McCaffrey number one. I just, you know, we, this is people's number one pick. You know, we have to kind of talk about these things. You know, I'm sure there were people that were pretty pissed off last year when he was their number one pick and it, it didn't go well. So um, we just have to kind of talk through these things and, and you know, kind of, Tell, tell people when we're concerned, when we're not. And here's where I think it gets interesting because uh, number two is Dalvin Cook. Sean, you just mentioned him, uh, McCaffrey with the big cushion over him. Uh, and uh, Graham, I'll start with you. I mean, Cook is a guy that in the past, he was another guy kind of labeled as injury prone, mm -hmm. broke out of that last year, over one of the two backs with over 300 uh, carries. And now he's locked into that number two spot. Is he a slam dunk number two? Or can you make a case for an Alvin Kamara uh, or a Derrick Henry? Yeah, I think there's a big, 
tier drop off. I wrote this up and uh, I did like a big best ball tiers article. And I mentioned that like McCaffrey should get his own tier, uh, but I just lumped them together because they're obviously all going off the board in the same range. I do think Cook, Kamara and Henry is close. I'm giving the slight edge to Dalvin Cook um, over Kamara just because he has higher, a slightly higher touchdown upside and his floor is just like so safe in terms of just touches. But I mean, it is really close. I mean, over the last uh, two years, McCaffrey has finished as an RB1. So that's top 12 in weekly points, um, 89% of his games. So basically every single time. Then it dips down to Kamara at 66%, Cook at 64 and then Henry at 58 So if you look at just kind of like ceiling games, um, and that's not necessarily the best indication of ceiling games, but if you just look at like kind of who's producing as the RB1 most often, yeah, that third tier is really, really close. But Cook's, Cook's floor is just so safe, man. And, you know, he 25 touches per game. That's right in line with Derrick Henry. He's got, you know, more passing down usage than Henry. Um, I, I do think I'm making like that small delineation between those two, between Cook and Henry, because Cook he ha- has that passing game usage. But yeah, it's no doubt close. And I think this is one of those scenarios, Chris, where like you, if you get, you know, a top two, you know, you get second, third or fourth overall, this is where you want to like mix up your exposure and kind of change things up a little bit. Because like Sean said, you know, you're very rarely going to get McCaffrey at two or three. Yeah. And Sean, you know, you're the one that kind of mentioned cooking initially about, you know, you kind of have him at that number two spot. Is there a gap for you between Cook and, and Henry or Alvin Kamara? Yeah, I do think, you know, Cook's sort of in a tier by himself in number two. I think, you know, CMC is way up here. Then there's Cook. And then I think there is a big enough gap um, ahead of, you know, Cook and Kamara and Henry that I I would draft Cook almost every time, number two overall. You know, there's – you mentioned, you know, the only knock we've had on Cook the past few seasons is he's, you know, an injury risk. But, you know, he's stayed pretty healthy the past two seasons. He's played 14 games each season. So I think that's, that's one thing that we need to just uh, urge caution about is, you know, don't, don't take injury risk um, too seriously. You know, guys can bounce back and, you know, a guy, a guy like cook, I think we can, um, you know, pencil in for 14 and a half games played like every other running back. Um, but, you know, he has, you know, some of the most bankable volume in the running game, passing game and in the red zone. Um, he's just a slam dunk pick. Um, and the, the Vikings defense should be much better this year. I think we'll get a lot more run heavy game scripts, you know, Mike Zimmer loves to run the show of the ball. So I think Dalvin Cook is set up for a huge workload this year. And the offensive line should be better. You know, they, they drafted Christian Derrishaw in the first round. So I think there's a lot of things going in Cook's favor this year. Coming off a great season um, last year, but I think we, we have still yet to see Cook's best season. I think that could be this year. Yeah, I, I think Dalvin Cook is like, when I projected out um, Dalvin Cook, is just unquestionably my number two running back. But I do think we should be mixing it up pretty evenly. Um, and the reason is I kind of think that Cook is a little bit of an injury risk, not because he's been one in the past. But if you look back, and, and this is just over the last few years, but you go back to like, you know, because remember, Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, the next guy we're going to talk about, you know, these two guys are – 378 carries for Henry, 313 for uh, 312 for Cook last year. No one else had more than 273. Like if you just go back over the the last few years and look at the guys that had that big of a workload, I mean, it goes downhill pretty quick in their futures. I mean, Le'Veon Bell in, in 2017 with Sean McCoy. Then you 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 have 2018 Todd Gurley. 
uh, Saquon Barkley, his, like his rookie year, he was second in the league. David Johnson was third. Gurley was fourth again, like, uh, you know, Adrian Peterson and Jordan Howard in that mix. Like it's, and then Ezekiel Elliott pops up and then he, you know, he struggles Christian McCaffrey. Like it's really tough. I think to kind of withstand and, and repeat that two years in a row. So like, even though I do agree, it's, you're not going to be able to pinpoint injuries. I do feel a little bit better about a guy like Kamara who hasn't taken quite the, mu- quite as much of a pounding yet. And, Cause like, I just feel like at any moment, like Henry's going to like, it's got to happen at some point. Right. We just, we were kind of like so confident in McCaffrey. And I think I was even projecting him for like 15 games last year instead of the, the usual 14 and a half. And, uh, and, and look what happened. But um, I, I do want to kind of get back to, to Alvin Kamara. And, and I think he's a really interesting one to discuss um, Graham, because, you know, a lot of people kind of talked about his, his downturn with Taysom Hill at, at quarterback. And I think that was, you know, there were some underlying circumstances that, you know, weren't, weren't just because of Hill, but, when I look at Kamara and, and I think about Michael Thomas potentially missing time, Alvin Kamara in, in 52 games with Thomas averages 20.2 PPR points. That's, that's good. That's really, really good. In eight games without Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara averages 30.9 PPR points per game. 30, 30 average over an eight, that's half a season. Like if Alvin Kamara gives you eight games of 30 points, you may have won your week. Like, like you know what I mean? Yeah. I, especially if like one of those other guys get hurt. So like, what are you, like, how do you feel about Kamara and, and, and kind of his outlook heading into this year? Yeah. So that's why I actually have it close between Cook and Kamara. Um, you know, like you alluded to with Cook, our guy, Evan Porras um, mentioned uh, in his injury tears article, he broke down like, you know, Cook doesn't have like chronic shoulder problems, but he keeps having these shoulder issues that just keep like popping up. It, it popped up again last year. So yeah, just definitely something to keep an eye on. And I think that that small injury risk is like, I hate playing the injury predictor game. I just think it's kind of silly, but Cook actually does carry more injury risk than, you know, McCaffrey and, and Henry and Kamara guys in his tier. But yeah, you know, I was pretty concerned um, about Kamara's usage with the quarterback change, you know, no Drew Brees this year, but uh, like you alluded to, man, uh, Kamara is just a sicko with no Michael Thomas and really Sean Payton for as long as, you know, Thomas sits out, Sean Payton has no other choice but to run this offense through Alvin Kamara. And, you know, to that point, you know, even if it is Taysom Hill starting, um, those four games that Taysom started last year were a little weird from like a game script uh, perspective. And you know, I've seen a lot of people like point out, oh, Kamara just didn't get the volume that, uh, that you know, we were accustomed to in the passing game. And there's a little bit of truth to that. But like, if you look back and think about it, like they stomped the Falcons in the first game Taysom Hill started. Then it was that weird Broncos game where the Broncos had to start that wide receiver, Kendall Hinton. So you kind of just have to throw that game out. They stomped them 31 to three. And they came back a couple weeks later, played the Falcons. Uh, Kamara had a nice game, but didn't get like the big uh, receiving workload that we're used to. And then that final game, they, put, they played the Eagles in a much, much closer game. The Eagles actually ended up winning that game. And Kamara had uh, had 10 targets, which is right in line with what we're expecting. So, yeah, the thing with Kamara, man, is like I just I'm not a fan of, of extrapolating like really small volume amount of games. And even if Taysom does get the start week one. I'm not that that concerned with his passing volume. I think we're going to see him slide right back into like six, seven, eight, nine targets a game. 
It's a great point. I mean, I, I just really think the targets are going to be that, you know, you mentioned Sean Payton. This is what he does. Like it's mm-hmm. a whole, totally different thing from like having your man crush go from like your special teams, a slash wide receiver slash tight end slash running back to like having to start him at quarterback. Like, yeah, you're going to use Kamara as like a decoy and, you know, get on and, and they won games, but now he has the whole off season and the, their season is kind of riding on Alvin Kamara. Like if, if Alvin Kamara isn't, 30 points per game, Alvin Kamara, the Saints are probably not going to be good this year. So uh, I think it's going to be totally different. But with Sean, I mean, am I crazy for thinking Alvin Kamara may have, you know, the best chance of anyone, if Christian McCaffrey stays healthy, of, of beating him out? Yeah, I think that's that's certainly fair. I think his, his ceiling is massive. You guys have mentioned without Michael Thomas, you know, they have no other choice. But to feed him the ball, um, I, I will say I, I am a bit concerned. Um, you know, his his fancy points without Breeze the past two seasons has been 16 points, where with Breeze is 24. I think Breeze is a perfect fit for him. He's he's more willing to check down, you know, when it's not schemed up to Kamara, he'll check down and give Kamara uh, a reception. Whereas, you know, Jameis Winston, I think, will opt to, like, you know, throw deep, be more aggressive, and Taysom Hill has shown that he's more willing to run. So that's that's enough of a concern for me to just draft Derrick Henry over him, not hundred percent of the time, but maybe 52% of the time. Um, <laughs> but you know, Kamara does have that massive upside. I mean, he, he literally is a saints offense. Sean Payton is too much of an offensive genius to not give him the ball. So, you know, I am with you guys. I'm o- willing to overlook those small sample sizes where Kamara wasn't as good without breeze, but at the end of the day, I'm still leaning towards Derrick Henry in this range. I'm going to plant my flag on this one. I'm going to say that, I don't think there's going to be any issue with Kamara. I think the, the issue with Breeze uh, and, and Kamara's downturn is kind of the, sim- the same thing you saw with, when, um, when Taysom Hill took over. It's that when, like, usually it's like, okay, now Breeze is not here. Now, now a star is not here. So you use Kamara as the decoy. But, like, now it's just a, such a different situation that, like, you have no choice but to build the whole offense around Kamara. It's not like you have like, okay, you could go like Bridgewater to Michael Thomas. Cause even like, you know, Thomas is out half the year. It's just like, this is the offense. So I'm going to say Alvin Kamara uh, beats out Derrick Henry this year. I'm going to say, and, and let's remember when Christian McCaffrey got hurt last year, who, who finished number one in PPR points, Alvin Kamara. So uh, I love me some Kamara this year, but let's go to uh, let's talk some Henry because he's another guy. I, I mean, I almost can't help feeling more confident in taking Derrick Henry than any other uh, running back. Like it just doesn't feel like he's ever going to get injured. Um, He has these massive ceilings, like even watching him, he's the only guy I think I've ever watched that. You just don't even feel like he's going to get tackled. I mean, (laughs) Graham, I mean, I know that it's just guy is just like a freak of nature. Uh, Like what, like, what are your thoughts on him? How high would you take him? Yeah. So last year I had Henry as high as like two, Um, This year, I've been taking them as high as two. But really, I think there is a difference between Kamara and Henry now that with the Michael Thomas news, you know, I think that's I'm kind of using that as like the the deciding factor of like, okay, this splits Kamara and Henry. uh, Because yeah, like you mentioned, man, this the upside and this consistency with Kamara is a little bit higher than Henry because Henry is kind of like Dalvin Cook in the sense that he's game script dependent. Um, I, I pulled this up in his 38 starts since, you know, the back half of that 2018 season, 
when they finally gave him gave him the starting role over Deion Lewis. In those 38 starts, Henry has averaged 24.3 fantasy points per game and 140 yards rushing per game uh, in the Titans' 24 wins. But that dips to 12.2 fantasy points per game and uh, just about 75 rushing yards per game in their losses. So huge, huge splits for Henry. I don't think the Titans are going to have like too much of regression in terms of just like the win department. They still should be in that like 9 to 10, 11 pocket with the extra game, especially considering the Colts, man. Poor Colts. They're just uh, falling (laughs) apart here. I mean, that AFC South is going to get really thin really quickly, especially with uh, the you know Deshaun Watson situation up in the air. Titans are heavy favorites for the AFC South again with all of that news. And yeah, Henry's floor is just a little bit lower than Kamara and Cooks because Cook and Kamara obviously have that passing down juice. Uh, but yeah, Henry, man, I, I'm, I've rectified all of my Henry fading from, you know, a couple years ago. Like I was completely out in 2018. I had a little bit of him in 2019 and then I went all in last year and I'm, I'm back to taking a, a lot of Henry uh, in that three, four hole when, you know, the board falls that way. So if, you know, like, can you speak on the, like, I know people are going to kind of bring up the, what is it, like the curse of 350 or something? Because Henry did carry the ball 378 times. Like, is this something we think he, like, how, I guess the question is not like, again, you can't predict injuries, but just how much longer can he do this? No, it's, it's true. I mean, he did this, man, I'm, I'm from Jacksonville. I went to high school and, and middle school and college in Jacksonville. When I was in high school, Derrick Henry was at Uli. And he was carrying the ball 35 freaking times a game for like 300 yards. So he's been doing this since he was like 18 years old. So I hear you, that wear and tear is definitely going to catch up with him. But every turn of Henry's career from high school to college and now in the NFL, he's been an outlier, man. And the dude, like the, you just don't see 6'2", 245 backs doing the the stuff he does. So, yeah, man, I, you know, I think that Cliff, like if we're talking dynasty, I would probably be looking to sell high on Henry. But for this year, I still think he's just like locked and loaded into like one of the most valuable roles in fantasy. And uh, and Sean, any any notes on how you're projecting, how your projections of Henry might have changed with the change in offensive coordinator with, you know, obviously Arthur Smith going to the Falcons and then them bringing in uh, Julio Jones? Yeah, I think the, the Julio Jones trade um, should only help Henry. You know, it's going to be even tougher for de- defenses to really um, worry about stopping Henry. If anything, they'll just let Henry run wild um, and make sure that Julio and A.J. Uh, Brown can't beat them. But, um, you know, I have, you know, been consistently ahead of ADP on Derek Henry the past few seasons. And sadly, <laughs> I'm in line. I have him <laughs> third overall. Um, but you know, you can never go wrong with Henry. You even mentioned it. Like he, he's the most likely running back to play all 17 games. I mean, just look at him. He's, he's a beast. I think we're going to get one more 300 plus, um, carry season out of Henry. I think they actually have the third easiest strength of schedule now, um, after factoring in the Carson Wentz news. Um, so I think he's going to have a really good schedule and, you know, he always tends to peak at the best time of the year, you know, end of the season when defenses are worn down. He usually gets to face the Jaguars and runs all over them. Um, so he's usually a fancy playoff, um, you know, league winner. So that's why I always love getting Henry. He, he always peaks at the right time. 
Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it, everyone will remember it started late in that 2018 season. I think he had like what, like a couple of 200 yard games. He threw the, 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 the Jaguars whole team off of him <laughs> on like a Thursday night. Like it was just it's Jags been, fans don't want to talk about this. Chris. We <laughs> do not want to talk about this right now. <laughs> oh, man. I, I wish I knew you were a, uh, a, a Jags a- fan. I would have I would have rocked my <laughs> I got the Fred Taylor, the uh Oh, yeah, nice. Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones-Drew. That A couple years they had that duo was unbelievable. I'm a huge Fred T guy. Love Jimmy Smith, too. He's on a couple of those teams. Yeah, they had the Smith and McCardo at wide receiver. Yeah, yeah they, they had some, yeah. some dudes, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm – a, yeah, it's, it's been a rough 15 years as a Jags fan. It's, there's been some very, very highs and some very, very lows. But, yeah, that, that Henry moment was certainly one of the lows. Speaking of uh, of rough, you know, spans for a franchise, the Giants, you know, about a decade ago, decade and a half, feeling pretty good, a couple of Super Bowl rings, but uh, it's been a struggle ever since. And Saquon Barkley, who's essentially the franchise now, you know, they, you know, they move on from Odell Beckham, you know, quarterback still young. This guy's the franchise, but it's been a rocky last couple of years for for him, for the franchise, and for his fantasy owners. Over the past two seasons, Barkley has had games of, of 28 yards on four carries, which he gets hurt, 15 carries for six yards, 13 carries for one yard, 14 carries for 28 yards, and another eight carry for 10-yard game in which he also got injured. None of those games did he score a touchdown. So over the last two years, First of all, he's missed more than half the games. And then about a third of the time, he's not just busting. He's absolutely killing fantasy owners. And and yet he's still going fifth, Graham. Am I, am I crazy? Like, I'm a Giants fan, and I don't even understand why <laughs> Saquon Barkley's going fifth. Yeah, I hear you, man. And and I'm, I'm with you. Like, um, you know, after the big four, um, I think it, it kind of falls off pretty quickly between, you know, that top four and then the next couple of tiers. And Barkley is certainly like, um, man, he's like the most contentious player in the first like 15 picks now, like by far. Um, it really just comes down to your risk tolerance. And for me, the way I like to build teams, like I am drafting Adams, I'm drafting Hill. I like Kelsey more than Barkley. Um, so if I miss out on one of those top four picks, I'm usually flipping back over to like Adams Hill or Kelsey in that range. That being said, though, Barkley, man, like even if he starts slow, you know, let's say he, you know, misses week one or week two. We don't really know at this point, but even if he does on the worst end, um, man, Barkley, you know, 14, 13, 14 games of Barkley is still well worth like a back half of the first round pick. And as we know, you know, in terms of like historical win rates, you know, the, the teams that get like the first pick and the second pick have like nearly double the chances of, of winning their league than, you know, a team in the back half of the first round. And Barkley could be that like differentiator is like, okay, first couple, you know, first couple weeks of the year, I'm fine with sitting Barkley and, and waiting, waiting on him. But once he gets going and he gets back to his Barkley ways like that, that could really pay off. But yeah, man, for me, it's just, you know, I like those receivers and Kelsey just a little bit more in the mid range of, uh, of the first round. Yeah. Like I, I'm, 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 pretty much on board. I mean, I think I would even go stronger. Like I think Saquon Barkley can lose you your league. Like, I don't think like, cause he, it's like, I get, you know, like going after a guy who's going to be worth it. He's going to put up some hundred yard games, but he's going fifth. Right. So, or even like I there's running, like I like the next handful of running backs after him, Sean 
I mean, where are you with, with Saquon? Because I like Jonathan Taylor more, uh, you know, Chubb, Jones. Like, there's so many guys I feel better about than Barkley. And, and you know, I, I know we, we kind of project these things out. And he hasn't really ever reached that 45 yards per game, 5.7 yards uh, catches per game um, receiving ceiling that he did his rookie year either. So, I mean, where are you on, on Saquon? Yeah, I think you said it well when you said, you know, he could – he's more likely to lose you your league than other guys in this range. And I think that's what the first few rounds are about, right? Like there's no reason to take risks early on. You know, we already said Derrick Henry is like the safest bet of all time. Um, But there are legit concerns when it comes to Barkley. I mean, even his 2019 season, he was a huge disappointment. Granted, he was dealing with that significant ankle injury. Um, And then he kind of salvaged everyone's seasons in week 15 and 16, he went off. So you're going to get that from him, but you you don't want like a hot and cold type of player as your first pick. So I've been passing on him unless he falls outside of the top 10. I think at that point, he probably is worth the risk because he he does carry so much upside. I mean, he's one of the most talented backs in the league, but, you know, he's playing behind arguably the worst offensive line. Um, And I think, you know, Kaderis Tony's, um, you know, where he's going to be on the field. I think he could eat into his target share a bit if Jason Garrett knows what he's doing. Um, so there are a lot of reasons to, you know, fade Saquon Barkley this year. And it's easy, you know, when he's being taken in the first six or seven picks, it's very easy to fade him. For me, he has to fall outside of the top 10. Yeah, and just another guy who his rookie year, you where did you see him right near the top of the league in touches and, and carries and all that stuff? And I don't know if he's ever recovered. So like, I, I, I mean, I, I would kind of have to, I don't think it's worth it because you say, okay, well, if, if he gives me, you know, good Saquon or if he, if he's healthy for, you know, 12, 13 games or whatever, I mean, five of his last 15 games over the past two seasons, he's gotten under 30 yards rushing. So that is, it's not a guarantee. And I agree. I think the offensive line is still a, a big issue, a big question mark. I think they have a lot of pass catchers to where they don't need to feed them five, six catches a game. They're not a high volume, you know, fast team anyway, uh, you know, uh, under this new coaching regime. So I, I'm just, I don't see it for Saquon. I actually have him ranked uh 10th. So I am a lot lower than, than the market on Saquon. I just think there's better ways to spend that pick at running back um and uh at other positions as as you said graham so uh yeah saquon is like the first guy i'm really kind of like full-on avoiding uh you know this high up the the board but let's go on to you know uh jonathan taylor entering year two you know sean you just mentioned the colts have been just hit hard with the with with injury luck with you know carson wentz going down now he'll be out a, a while so I mean, Graham, is this because we know running backs kind of depend on volume anyway? Is this a good thing for Taylor that, like, similar to Kamara in a sense that he's going to have to be the offense? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking about this, uh, all the guys, and I've been talking about this going back and forth with Taylor. It's like, yeah, on the one hand, they're probably just going to lead more run heavy. That'll probably give, you know, Taylor a, a few more carries, maybe an extra catch or two. But on the flip side with no wins, I mean, we got to ding their touchdown expectation, how efficient this offense is going to be. 
I mean, not only is, you know, were they banking on Wentz staying healthy, you know, Quentin Nelson's going to miss at least five mm-hmm. weeks, could be up to 12. Eric Fisher, the guy that, you know, their, their left tackle, they signed him from, from the Chiefs. He tore his Achilles back in February. It's sounding like he's not going to be ready until October. So, you know, they're not going to have their starting left tackle. They're not going to have one of the best guards, if not the best guard in football. Man, I'm, I'm real concerned. And, and like JT is not a player like an Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey where he's going to be game script independent. Taylor is very game script dependent. Uh, they're going to play Naheem Hines um, on passing downs. Uh, that's just something Frank Reich has, has done for years now, and I don't really see any reason for that to change. Uh, and Taylor just doesn't, to me, have as many outs as like Kamara or Barkley or, you know, even Aaron Jones. You know, if you can uh, guarantee me Barkley is going to be back to near 100 percent by week three or four. I mean, we got to love the the target expectation for him. Um, I've. I warmed up to Jonathan Taylor. It sucks because I warmed up to him in like July. And then now I'm back down on him again with just all these injuries. I think he's, he's well behind even guys like Aaron Jones um, uh, in that range. And I, I love like four five, six receivers out of him too. Tom, um, where are you on Taylor? Uh, I, I don't know if I could say Jonathan Taylor sucks, but I agree with the sentiment that we should probably fade him. Um, you know, I have him as my running back 10 right now. He's obviously, you know, one of the better running backs in the league. But as Graham mentioned, he's he's game script dependent. You know, Naheem Hines is going to be their pass catching back. So if, if they get in a trailing game script, that's going to hurt Jonathan Taylor really a, a lot more than running backs in this range. And, um, you know, at the end of last season, the Colts went seven and two in their final nine games with Taylor active and they had a really soft schedule. So we saw, you know, Jonathan Taylor's ceiling, which is great, but we're not going to see that with uh, Carson Wentz on the shelf with Quentin Nance on, Quentin Nelson on the shelf, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to struggle these first few weeks. Um, so I I'm fading him completely. And I think a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who um, we were drafting above Taylor last year, he's in the almost the same exact situation last year. I, I'm buying the dip on a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire and selling high on Jonathan Taylor. So I'm, I'm getting very little uh, shares of Taylor uh, where he's going right now. Yeah, I'm I'm conflicted. Like, I think you guys are a little more bearish on him than I am. Like, I do see like a silver lining with the with the Wentz injury because I just think that uh, it's you know he's obviously not the caliber of player that an Alvin Kamara is, but I just think that Frank Reich is a pretty uh, I would say good offensive mind. Uh, I think the team will still have a a, a pretty solid defense. Um, I, I think it's a well-coached team, a smart team that is, is going to kind of realize what it has to do to win. And I, I just think that there's a chance that like Taylor is just an absolute monster. I mean, like yeah. he's not like a Christian McCaffrey level because he's not going to get that much, that many catches. But I could see them, you know, he's had games where he's had, you know, 50, 60, you know, 65 percent of routes run. So it's not like they're opposed to doing it. And I think. I, I think you could really see that. So like, I think it, it, it is offset to some level um, with, with kind of the, this Wednesday injury. And I'm like, I wouldn't mind taking him and kind of seeing how that goes. I don't think he's like, for example, I don't think he's as big of a bust risk as, as Saquon by any means. Like I think Saquon is a much huger bust, bust risk. I still think the Colts, even with the injuries uh, at quarterback and at O-line, they still they they could still have a, a the same court like a similar caliber quarterback as the Giants and a better O line than the Giants. So I, I I'm I'm on Taylor over Saquon. 
Uh, but you guys, I guess you could tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, it's just it's just a target upside, man, for for Barkley. Um, and I mean, we, you know, if, if Taylor's not in those positive game scripts, it's going to be it's going to be a really up and down year for him. And, you know, you're starting off the year with, you know, two of your best offensive linemen and the guy you were expecting to be, you know, uh, hopeful, hopefully an upgrade on Phillip Rivers at, at, a, at his highest peak. But, yeah, man, I just I love I love the receivers that go in the, the back half of the first round. You know, I love Adams Hill, Ridley. Uh, I, I love Diggs. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm drafting Hopkins. Like, I just I love that where you're taking Taylor at this point. I'm just on the receivers. That that I agree with. That I agree with. But yeah. as a like, I, I I'm just I'm down on Saquon. I think I, I do think there's some massive upside here um, with Taylor. But I do agree. I think from a team building perspective, uh, it does make more sense to go wide receiver to maybe get a Travis Kelsey because there are some guys going kind of at the back half of the RB one tier um, and even into the start of the RB two tier that we're going to get to that I think are going to be able to approximate some of these guys usage, especially when you consider that you can't predict injuries. And obviously the, the higher a guy is drafted, the you know, more he has to fall. So uh, with that being said, a- another disappointing guy, you know, kind of the theme you know, we've had we've had Barkley number five, Ezekiel Elliott right there with him as, you know, people that drafted Zeke weren't exactly happy last year. Uh, the O-line was in shambles. Dak Prescott goes down uh, pretty early on in the season. Uh, so, Graham, is Dak returning and the O-line at least a little bit healthier? Uh, is that kind of the cure-all for getting Zeke back to being Zeke? Um, and also, we've heard some reports that, the receiving usage maybe scaled back a little bit in favor of Tony Pollard. Um, but so is this, I guess, is this a good thing? Could Zeke be Zeke again uh, in 2021? Yeah. So like you mentioned, I mean, everything went wrong last year for Dallas, man. It was, you know, not only just Dak, I mean, they were down to like their third string right tackle by the middle of the year. And then Zeke had a bunch of injuries of his own um, middle of the year. He hurt his hamstring and his calf. Um, but before that, before he started, you know, kind of popping up on the injury report and then he missed a game uh, down the stretch before that, he was still getting the same exact role we know Ezekiel Elliott uh, can perform in. Um, in those eight games before he popped up on the injury report, uh, Zeke was on the field on 80 percent of his snaps. That's, you know, second only to Christian McCaffrey. He got 20 or more touches in seven of eight games. Um, and he was leading the league and carries inside the five yard line. And that was with Dak being down. I mean, you know, they not only was Dallas like top five, top six and in, in red zone drives per game, um, you know, even without Dak, they were just, you know, funneling the ball to Zeke when they got in close. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, man, like, you know, efficiency for backs really doesn't matter all that much. You know, Zeke's efficient efficiency was like you know, career worse last year. But I mean, if we, if we're expecting him to go back into that same role that he had before he got hurt, um, I think there's a legitimate chance that Zeke can kind of push for like top three numbers up there with Kamara, Cook and Henry. And, you know, especially if this Dallas team kind of continues the same pace that they were on, not even continues the same pace, but like stays like 75, 80% of the pace they were on before Dak got hurt, like Zeke has 10, 12 touchdown upside in his range of outcomes. So yeah, man, I, I love Zeke. I've been taking him as early as five and um, yeah, I think he's like right in that conversation with, you know, Adams and Hill and Kelsey. I mean, just think about it in years past, man, we were taking Zeke's, you know, second, third overall. Now you're getting a nice little discount uh, on pretty much the best situation, you know, on paper that he's had going into a season 
It's just that he's older now and people think he's washed for some reason. No, I mean, efficiency doesn't matter, but uh, shirtless photos, ripped shirtless photos, <laughs> those definitely matter. And I, I think I've seen a few floating around on the internet. Uh, you know, Zeke, I, I don't think he was too happy about how last season went down. So, I, I mean, Sean, I just, I, I just put Zeke in the category of another guy that I think people should be taking over Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's kind of disappointing we don't get like a discount on him, um, you know, based on last season. But I have him um, fifth uh, in my rankings right now. And, you know, with, with you know, Dak out of lineup and the offensive line had a ton of injuries. We saw, you know, Zeke's floor last year. Um, but weeks one through four when Dak was healthy, Zeke was the RB4. He's still a high-end elite fantasy asset. Um, and, you know, one thing that I, I think we're, we should expect this year is significant positive touchdown regression. Um, Graham mentioned it. He led the league with uh, rush attempts inside the five of 26 last year, but only scored five touchdowns on those. Normally you'd expect, you know, uh, your average running back to convert those about 42% of the time. So that's five to six extra touchdowns. Um, he should get just, I, I mean, he's an above average um, goal line back, but that's, that's why I'm projecting him for over 10 touchdowns this year and why I think he should still be a top five running back. Yeah, I mean, just everything went wrong, you know, Graham, as you mentioned. I mean, you lose your center, you, you lose your quarterback, you lose uh, your, your tight end early, and you're just like everything kind of conspired to where defenses could really focus on taking away Zeke and not letting him beat them when it mattered most. And that's why, you know, the receivers are putting up great numbers and, you know, the, the passing game was humming. But uh, I, I do think we'll see a turnaround uh, for Zeke this year. And even, even, you know, I know he's on the older side, but like, I, I've seen him going, I think way too low in like dynasty leagues. Like, I think if you're in win now mode and like, you can like this guy, I think has a co another couple years in him. And I, I just don't think his price is reflective of that, uh, of that cost. So I uh, maybe that, that actually may where you get a, a, a bigger discount uh, ironically, but uh, going eighth is Nick Chubb and Nick Chubb, it's so weird because it's like, I feel like there are two kinds of fantasy drafters. There's, it's like you're either really excited to take Nick Chubb or you're not yeah. at all excited to take Nick yeah. Chubb, but you're still going to do it because you know he's going to fall. So, like, Graham, I mean, which one are you? Yeah, man, he's on that, like, Derrick Henry spectrum of, like, just being outliers in terms of role, in terms of passing down usage and all of that. Um, but man, the, the biggest thing for Chubb is like just how much Hunt's going to play. Cause last year, you know, Hunt and Chubb kind of split passing down snaps, like almost right down the middle uh, when Chubb came back from that knee injury. So that was great to see Chubb finally getting a couple more passing down snaps, but on the flip side, they both split inside the five carries Hunt had nine to Chubb's eight over the final 10 games or so. So yeah, man, I think, I think Chubb is just naturally capped um, and kind of like that, you know, he doesn't have RB5, you know, RB4 upside, but his floor is just so, so safe. And I get the appeal of that. You know, I get the appeal of, of, of safety in the back half of the first round. Um, I'm, I, I'm conflicted on Chubb because, like I said earlier, I like those receivers more in that range. I think they have more ceiling potential. But, I mean, there's no doubt that Chubb's floor is, is, is really safe. And it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of on that Derrick Henry spectrum. Yeah, it's he's never the sexiest pick, um, but but Sean, I know you you've kind of talked him up in years past. Where are you on on Nick Chubb this year? Yeah, I think he's he's one of the safest bets. You know, 
really high floor, maybe a lower ceiling than you'd like in this range. But again, you're trying not to lose your draft in the first couple rounds. So Chubb, Chubb is a very safe pick. You know, he's probably the best pure runner in the NFL. Next gen stats yeah. tracks um, how many yards you would expect a running back to get for every play, um, gauging where blockers, defenders are. And Nick Chubb has ranked second, second, and first in that stat um, in his first three seasons. So, you know, I, I'm more than willing to project, you know, the maximum efficiency for him again heading into this year. But as Graham mentioned, Kareem Hunt does cap his upside. We only saw Chubb uh, rush for 20 or more times twice last year. Um, so, you know, you kind of need him to be efficient. Um, but one of the things that people don't really talk about is, um, I mean, we talk about Kareem Hunt's upside if Chubb were to ever miss time, but Chubb's one of the rare top 10 running backs where he will absolutely get a boost if his backup were ever to miss time. And I mean, where would you guys have Chubb ranked if Kareem Hunt's ever out top three, top four? Um, so I think Chubb's upside is sort of the injury risk with Kareem Hunt. So he kind of has that built-in upside that I don't think enough people give him credit for. So I'm fine taking him, you know, eighth or ninth running back off the board. Yeah, it's not it's not always sexy until you watch him run, and then he just I mean it's yeah. it's a thing of beauty. And uh, I think the Browns defense, for what it's worth, will be really good, which yeah. is good for the game scripts. Like I, you know, Kareem Hunt is the guy you would think will get in on more pass downs, but I really don't foresee the Browns face planning, although famous last words. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's going to actually be a pretty good team, and, and yeah. they're going to have a lot of weeds. So. Uh, let's move on to Austin Eckler going at number nine. This is one that's really interesting to me because he's a guy that I, I don't know if I like drafting him. I do like having like acquiring him. I do like playing him in DFS in certain spots, but I, you know, he's, he's a guy, I don't know if he can, if he's really built to withstand a full season of punishment uh, the last three years. 106 carries, 132, and 116. So his, his career high is still 132 carries. Obviously, um, you know, he could catch the ball. He had 92 receptions a couple years a, a, ago. But I just don't know if he really has that 300-touch upside uh, over a full season. It's just, you know, he's going to be great in the games where he's healthy and he's good, and he's, he's going to rack up the catches. But, I mean, Graham, what are you doing with Eckler – uh, in mm -hmm. the top 10 here. Yeah. I mean, he's been a guy that's been sliding up all summer, man. I mean, in May, he was going to like mid second round. You can get him in the mid second round, usually in the early second now, man, because of no cam acres. Uh, yeah. He's just slid into that, like, you know, top eight, top 10 uh, locked in first round pick. And I think, I think the thing is he's just appropriately priced, you know um, you know, last year in the games that Eckler was healthy and he started with Justin Herbert he actually averaged more receiving fantasy points per game than Alvin Kamara did on the full season. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, just the receiving role is fantastic. Uh, their new OC, Joe Lombardi, um, he has a very mixed track record as a, as a play caller back in uh, 2014 and 15 with the Lions. But, you know, he had Joyke Bell and Reggie Bush in 2014, and those backs led the league in targets. So I think, you know, just based on the personnel that the Chargers already have and Lombardi's history, Eckler's receiving floor is just so, so safe. But man, this comes down to something, you know, that's been a bugaboo for Eckler his whole career is like, are they going to let him score rushing touchdowns? And like, you know, I've been back and forth with, uh, with Rich Rebar about this too, just talking about it. It's just like, he is just so, you know, we so desperately want Eckler to have like that top five ceiling, 
but man, those, the lack of touchdown upside really hurts him. Um, I think he's kind of in that Chubb conversation just for different reasons that he, in terms of like margin of safety in the back half of the first round. Um, I'm just really hoping that we don't see like Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree combined for like eight rushing touchdowns. I hope they give Eckler some, some more, some more love in close, but that's the one thing uh, in his profile that's lacking. When, when I look at Eckler in, in that spot, it's just, I, I see a guy going after him who, you know, I think, you know, he was kind of polarizing last year and, and Sean, I think we, you guys and Friedman argued about this, but Aaron Jones, I, I mean, here's a guy that's going to score touchdowns. And I like Aaron Jones over Eckler, even though I know Eckler's got more receiving upside, but uh, I just think that the Green Bay loves Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams is gone, so it's it's Dylan in that role. But it's it's going to be a lot more Aaron Jones. Um, Sean, where are you on on, on Jones this year? Yeah, I, I love Jones. I'm taking him over Eckler and another guy that I would take over Saquon Barkley. Um, <laughs> I, I just think yeah. after the Aaron Rodgers clarity, there, there's no reason that Aaron Jones shouldn't be in the top six right now. Like you mentioned, he has that massive upside. No, I'm not going to debate you this time about A.J. Dillon siphoning a couple uh, goal line touchdowns. I'm with you here. He's he's such a good goal line back that, you know, A.J. Dillon, if anything, is going to be a change of pace back uh, or a handcuff, you know, high upside handcuff. But this is Aaron Jones backfield. And with no Jamal Williams, you know, we could see Aaron Jones easily uh, surpass 50 receptions for the first time in his career. I think he'll be more of a bell cut back than we've seen in the past with him. And with Aaron Jones returning to Green Bay, he has that massive touch outside. I love him as a top six option. And you can get him much later still. Yeah, like this is a guy who I think is kind of criminally undervalued. I mean, it used to be that Aaron Rodgers was like the NFL's red zone guy. Like that was the guy that if you needed a touchdown in the red zone, it was Aaron Rodgers, whoever he was going to throw to, whether it was Nelson, Cobb. But like now – the Packers run through Aaron Jones in the red zone and, and, you know, it's just, he's, that's what he's good at. So like, I get it. You know, some people may be worried about Dylan cause he's a bigger body guy, but the bottom line is Aaron Jones is just really um, a, a good runner, especially in that area of the field. And, and just overall, I mean, he's right there with Nick Chubb. If you're talking about some of the best runners in the game, I mean, 5.2 yards per carry for his career on, on 651 rushes, uh, 5.5, 5.5, 4.6 and then 5.5 again uh, in his four professional seasons. So, uh, and, and not too much tread on the tires. Like he still could uh, yeah. post his career high. This season could be his career high in carries. Uh, it was two years ago at, at 236. So um, I, I, I like Aaron Jones a lot. And yeah, he's a guy that uh, he pushes top five uh, in my, in my running back projections. For sure. And to that point about AJ Dillon and taking goal line work, um, Jones can offset that with no Jamal Williams. Uh, Williams didn't get a lot of targets last year, but he played a lot of passing down snaps. And AJ Dillon, even dating back to his days in Boston College, he's never been a good pass catcher. So even if we just account for, okay, you know, AJ Dillon gets a few more goal line carries, he gets a couple more early down carries, like those targets that Jones is going to get in the passing game are two to three, four times uh, more valuable. Uh, than those carries that he's losing. So yeah, I, I I absolutely love Aaron Jones this year, man. I I have so much of him in the second round before the Rodgers news came. So I'm I'm a I'm a happy man stacking my money over here. In my projections, he's fifth at running back. Yeah. Which, you know, um, and that's you know obviously that's because of Rodgers and your your the Green Bay touchdown 
uh, expectation increases, but like, that's not even with Aaron Jones getting like, you know, 300 carries or anything. So like, he's got some upside. He's got a pretty safe floor. I love Aaron Jones. And like, he might be that new, like Nick Chubb and he's going even later than Chubb. So, you know, if, if you're kind of unsure about Chubb <laughs> and you maybe, maybe you're at the turn or something, you can get Jones a couple picks later. Um, I, I think you do it. This is Action Network podcast producer, Matt Mitchell, here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Najee Harris, he's going, he's up to uh, 11th. And obviously there's been some injuries. Cam Akers, of course, going down. But I look at Najee Harris and then I look at some of the other guys that one, at least one of us, if not all of us, have kind of expressed some concerns about like, okay, maybe Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, doesn't get quite the usage we want or, you know, the, the offense struggles. You know, Nick Chubb, maybe his upside's a little cap. Saquon Barkley, obviously. There's a lot of risk there with the O-line. Austin Eckler, will he score touchdowns? I look at Najee Harris, and I think, like, I mean, and, and Graham, I'm interested to hear what you think about, like, the actual talent. And, and you know, he's a certain kind of back. Uh, and, but just I think the workload he's going to get is going to be – it probably as good as you can get. Cause like, I look at the rest of the Steelers backfield and I mm-hmm. like, there's not even a guy that I can project to make the final roster outside of Najee Harris in that backfield. So uh, what do you think of his, like, what do you think of him as a back though? That's my first question. Yeah. So I was blown away with how good and nimble of a route runner Najee Harris was watching mm. all of his passing down snaps last year, man. Like, you know, he's got a similar frame to Derrick Henry, but he's got like the grace and the movement ability of like Le'Veon Bell in his prime. Like he is, he was such a phenomenal route runner and they would do fun, like fun stuff with him too, man. Like they would run, you know, these mesh concepts and Henry would be the guy or not Henry, but, uh, but Harris would be the guy, you know, clearing out the the linebackers and the safeties at the second level to get, uh, you know, to get a, to get the ball to Devonta Smith. But yeah, man, I, you know, the problem with Harris is like, everybody knows the role is going to be sweet and he's just gone nutso up the board. I mean, he's, you know, you can get him in most drafts. He's going as early as like 14, 15 and as late as 20. It's a pretty narrow range if you want him. Um, and yeah, I, yeah, this has just kind of been a theme, I guess, but I'm, I'm on the receivers over Harris. 
I think Harris is is pretty safe just from like a volume perspective because like you mentioned, Chris, they just don't have anything else. Um, and I'm not overly concerned about the offensive line because, you know, if he's getting 20 carries per game and it's only for four yards of pop, like that's still, that still plays for our game. But yeah, I think he's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what I said with Eckler. I think he's appropriately priced. It just comes down to, you know, how, uh, you know, how you feel like you need to construct your team. And, um, and, you know, a lot of those second round receivers are uh, just slightly higher on my board than Harris. Yeah, I think, and that's a, that's a good point. I mean, I think though, what you can do is like, let's say you're picking, you know, back half of the first round, you can get a guy like a, a maybe a Adams Hill, a Kelsey, yeah. like you can eschew like some of the you know running backs that we are like not all the way in on. And I think like, it, it, like this is a pretty good way to kind of, uh, subdue some of that risk just overall, you know, just running backs in general are just risky picks um, because they're more likely to miss games. Um, and I don't think you're really losing out and you're going to get that stud receiver, that stud tight end. So I, I actually think Harris fits pretty good uh, into my draft plans. Um, Sean, what, what are your thoughts on Harris and like who else are you projecting for usage in this backfield? Uh, I'm with you there. It's it's slim pickings. I think Benny Snell is probably the handcuff, but I mean he's unplayable um, in, unless Harris goes down. Um, but you know I think 11 is too high for Harris. Um, you know I, I'm probably taking one of the top receivers in that range um, with my draft plan. But you know w- I am worried about the offensive line. But we we've, we've talked about it at length today that you know efficiency doesn't matter as much as long as they're getting a massive workload. I'm okay with it, and that's basically Harris. Um, but you know, I was in a draft last night where I was able to get him 16th. I think that's more appropriate, uh, for Harris with you know, some of the risk built in, uh, with a rookie, but you know, 11th is way too high for me. I'm off that, it, you know, the hype is sort of getting out of control of Harris. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, uh, you know, around 15 or 16, uh, off the board is when I, when I get him. And to be clear, he's 11th at running back, but his overall yeah. ADP is like 15. So like that's what I'm saying. Like I, I actually, I'm, I'm fine with taking him. Uh, I'm still I'm early still in the second. Guys like I'm still taking guys like Joe Mixon or even Antonio Gibson over him. I can't, I can't get mm. there uh, with Harris. Okay, that's a, that's interesting. Um, we definitely got to talk about uh, those guys. And I was actually gonna, that was gonna be my next question. So Graham, I'll start with you. Gibson, Mixon, Edwards, Elaire. That's yeah. kind of the, the, the three that could conceivably round out, you know, with Harris going 11th, you know, maybe you disagree, but those guys all have kind of a claim to, to round out the top 12. Um, wh- how do you rank those guys? Which one do you think has the most upside to be a top five back? Yeah. So like Sean, I think it's really close between Mixon, Gibson and Harris. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where like, you know, if I do take Devonta Adams or Tyreek Hill at like eight or nine and come back, and Harris, Mixon, or Gibson are on the board. I'm usually just like, I play a bunch of best ball teams, so this isn't very like applicable if you're just drafting one team this year, but I'm kind of been splitting my exposure between all three and giving Mixon like a slight, slight edge uh, over those three. Um, I mean, no Gio Bernard is just massive. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing in Mixon's profile has been not getting any of that like third down work, 
or, um, you know, any like not enough, you know, design passing plays. And it's made Mixon pretty game script dependent. I mean, he's uh, he's had wide splits just like Josh Jacobs, just like Derrick Henry in wins versus losses. So if we can get Mixon to, you know, play on 60 percent of the Bengals passing downs as opposed to like 40 to 50 percent that he's been at in previous years, that's going to be a huge boost to his floor. Um, I still love Antonio Gibson too, though, man. I mean, if they, if they really do lean in on this off season, you know, they started in OTAs mixing in some more passing down sets. Uh, their coaches have said all off season, Hey, like last year, because of the COVID year, we just didn't have the time to put in the passing down work that we wanted to with Gibson. Uh, we wanted to, to really focus on, you know, the, the run, the running aspect, getting more comfortable in terms of reading blocks, just giving more reps there. I think you can paint a picture where Gibson has like Christian McCaffrey-esque upside where he gets like 60 to 70, 80% of the carries, gets a solid 12, 15% target share. Like there's there's Christian McCaffrey light in his range of outcomes. Um, I think for that reason, I'm on Gibson and Mixon just a little more than Harris because the Steelers Steelers might suck this year, but uh, I think all three are pretty appropriately priced. And and honestly, like, you know, there's downside with all three between Harris and the offensive line and the Steelers, Mixon not getting the role we're expecting, and then, you know, Gibson not getting more passing down usage. So I, I think I think the market's kind of got those three guys priced somewhat appropriately. But, yeah, man, I, I love I love Mixon and Gibson. And Edwards Hilaire, is he in, like, a different tier altogether? Because yeah. that was the other guy. Yeah, yeah for, for me, Edwards Hilaire is, man. It's just – you know, when they got in close last year, it was they were scheming stuff to Kelsey. They were scheming stuff to Hill. Edwards Allaire also didn't get the target share we were expecting. Um, I thought he'd get pretty close to like what Kareem Hunt's usage was back, you know, when Hunt was with the team and it kind of wasn't that. Um, there's still plenty of room for Edwards Allaire to grow. But yeah, I think Gibson and Mixon and Harris are a cut above where Edwards Allaire is at. I've got him like peer, paired up with like DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins in like the third. Mm, okay, that, that's interesting. Uh, Sean, where are you on on these backs? Uh, Gibson, Mixon, Edwards, Elaire, and then obviously, you know, in comparison to Harris. Yeah, so I have um, Mixon and Gibson um, in sort of a mini tier uh, at the bottom of the RB1 um, tier. And, you know, I think Mixon is the, the safest bet as long as he can stay healthy. Um, he has top five upside, as Graham mentioned, without Giovanni Bernard there. Um, we should see more of that passing down work. Um, and the sky's the limit for Mixon, honestly. Um, so so I love taking him there. But I think Antonio Gibson does have just insane upside. Um, and it's really amazing how well he was able uh, to play last year. I mean, he's still learning the position. I mean, this is a guy that's converting over from wide receivers. So it was amazing how polished he looked as a rookie in a limited offseason. Yeah. Um, so I think he's very likely to take a huge year two leap. We should see him more in the passing game. I mean, he is a wide receiver after all. And J.D. McKissick might have been a symptom of just having Alex Smith, the check down machine. Um, and like Graham mentioned, maybe they didn't have enough time to kind of fit him in the offense in that way. So I, I love the, the you know, cheaper CMC comparison by Graham. I think that that really is his upside this year. So I'm, I'm targeting him heavily um, in this range. And then I have, you know, Najee Harris, uh, Chris Carson and Clyde Edwards Hilaire sort of in a tier after that. Yeah. Um, I, I think you can't go wrong with any of those guys. I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a guy I'm buying a ton. Um, you know, he, he had a disappointing 
rookie season, but a lot of the elements are still there. He still plays for the Chiefs. He's still, you know, going to be pretty much the workhorse back in that offense. So I think a lot of the same reasons I liked him last year are still there this year. So I love getting uh, Hilaire cheaper this year. And then Chris Carson is one of my favorite value picks in this range. I think he, um, you know, he's always overlooked, you know, sort of in this part in the draft. And he's one of the most reliable backs that you can have in sort of that RB2 range. So that's why I have him paired up with uh, Najee Harris and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as well. Yeah, I I, re- I think Mixon is the one that, that really stands out for me because, uh, you know, as you guys mentioned, he really has that that, that top five upside, which is what I'm looking for. You know, I'm it either, you know, a lot of times when I'm taking him back in this range, it's because I haven't taken one yep. in, in the first round. So it's not like, you know, obviously, if you're just doubling up on backs, you, you're happy with almost any of these guys. You're not really paying it as much mind, but uh, a little more is riding on it, I think, if this is your RB1. And I, I look at Mixon and, you know, just uh, you, with, with Taylor as the, the coach, you look at his uh, percentage of backfield carries in the six games that he uh, played last year and it was 95 94 100 93 100 uh and then 67 and the what he got hurt so this guy was essentially getting every carry um as you guys mentioned he has now even more upside in the past game with with Gio Bernard and there's really not much you know behind him you know they have you know they have uh who is it Evans I think and then um uh like Williams like nobody really of of note that I think would take a ton of carries or take a ton of uh, of snaps away from Mixon and and hey he only played six games last year so you might catch him on you know at like a, a good time where he doesn't he's not just coming off a, a year where he took a ton of punishment so uh, I, I really like Mixon and and I think Edwards Alaire yeah I think Edwards Alaire has a lot of room to grow I wouldn't be surprised if Edwards Alaire actually beat out a guy like Gibson um, in, in terms of scoring, because like the one, my one concern about Gibson, it's not really a concern, but like Washington, I think they are going to continue to kind of spread the ball around. Like, I think, you know, they, they got Curtis Samuel who they can use as like another uh, guy like that. They got, they use McKissick a lot more than people thought last year. They just love those type of guys. And I think they, they know what they have in Gibson to the point where, um, like, I don't know if we ever see them give him like those 25, 30 Christian McCaffrey touches. Also, Gibson had a, a what was it, 12 touchdowns last year. So I look at a guy like him, 12 touchdowns on, you know, around 200 touches. And then Edwards Hilaire only had five touchdowns in the Kansas City Chief offense. So um, I'd be willing to take um, to take my shot on on Edwards Hilaire. Like, I, I think, you know, but Gibson, if he he's, I don't think he's going to like blast value this year. Like I think last year was the time to draft him. Like I, I think the best he's going to do this year is kind of hit value where he's drafted. Um, so I'm probably not quite like, I'm not low on him. I'm just, I don't mind getting him. It's just, I'm not as like excited about him. I just, I, I, I could see him kind of landing in a similar range, even if it's to what he did over like the second half of the season, then, um, then like completely going bonkers. Like I think a guy like Mixon could. All right. Um, let's finish up with a couple of, of questions. Let's just um, go through our top five running backs uh, in order. Uh, our top five, half PPR, just to kind of cover the most bases. Uh, Graham, I'll start with you. Yeah. So half PPR, I'd go uh, McCaffrey, Cook, um, 
man, Henry has kind of been the guy I've been making like the small change for in half PPR. So I'll go Henry three, Kamara four, Zeke five. And can I give a bonus and say Aaron Jones is six? Cause that's what I love it. Aaron Jones is six. Love it. Sean. Oh man. I'm going to sound like an echo here. Uh, yeah. My top five is Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin cook, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott. And yeah, I have Aaron Jones. Hey, as well. look at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I'm going to go McCaffrey. I'm going to go Kamara second. I just love the upside with, with Michael Thomas missing time. Uh, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott. And yes, I too would also go Aaron Jones six as well. So a lot of love for Aaron Jones on this podcast. And uh, let's finish it up with uh, who is your RB1 fade either because you think the guy's going to bust or just you have them ranked lower um, th- than the market. Yeah. I'll stick with, uh, with Jonathan Taylor. Um, I would have said this before the Wentz and Nelson injuries too. Um, but yeah, I just think, like I mentioned, he just doesn't have as many outs as players going around them, even guys like Austin Eckler. Um, and then, you know, you mix in those injuries and the fact that the Colts are probably going to get off to a really sluggish start. I mean, they have a brutal opening schedule. I mean, it's just they could literally start the season one and four, zero oh and five. I mean, they open up the year with um, I believe it's the Seahawks, the Rams. They play the Titans, Dolphins, Ravens. Then they play the Niners in like week seven. Um, it's, it's really tough, man. If, if we go with the theory that Taylor is going to be a game script dependent back, the first opening, you know, five, six, seven games this year with no Wentz, no Nelson, no Fisher, it could get rough pretty quick. Uh, so I, I think Taylor's is a guy I'm, I'm pretty much avoiding in all of my drafts. Um, and I'm just, I'm stacking, you know, Aaron Jones over him. I've got a bunch of receivers over him. I even ranked Darren Waller over him recently. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I just, I love the player and I was, I was really warming up to him. Like I said earlier, it's just, it's hard for, it's hard for me to buy back in now with all of the, the surrounding factors with the Colts. Yeah. There's a little bit of volatility there that I, I think, you know, you could go with a safer pick, especially at another position, but uh, Sean, which top uh, running back are you fading for 2021? Sorry, Rayvon. I think I'm stealing this from you, but it's Saquon Barkley. Um, there's just too much downside to drafting in the first round. We stress all the time. You're just trying not to lose your draft. Um, and I'm afraid he has that kind of downside. You know, we're not, Sure, he's going to be 100% to start the season. He might have to, you know, ease in or even sit out week one. So that's a nightmare scenario. Plus, you know, he's playing behind arguably the worst offensive line in the NFL. Um, and I th- I do think first-round pick Kadarius Tone will eat into his target share a bit. So there's there's so many concerns that I'm. you're better off taking Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, or Nick Chubb if you're going to go running back over Saquon Barkley right now. Yeah, I am in total agreement. The running back that I am fading is Saquon Barkley. I think, you know, it's such uh, the writing's just on the wall. I mean, it's red flag after red flag. It's the, the prior production, even when he was healthy, like a third of the time, he gives you almost nothing. Uh, the offensive line is terrible. Even the, the, you know, the quarterback could easily be one of the league's worst, you know, um, there's, but at, on the other hand, there are enough other receiving options now that you don't have to just feed the ball to Saquon uh, every chance you get. And that m- may be what ruined him to begin with because his rookie year, he had so much usage. It just has never been the same. Uh, and, and, and then if, I, I don't like uh, 
drafting guys who start the year hurt like injury risk. That's one thing that's hard to predict, but when a guy enters the year and he's hurt already, uh, that's a big red flag, especially when you're talking about a top five, top 10 pick. So Saquon Barkley is who I am fading uh, at running back in 2021. Graham, man, this was a, a really good podcast. I really enjoyed all, all your insights and, and, and expertise. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to tell everybody um, what you're up to and, and where they can find you. Yeah, man. Uh, first and foremost, thanks for having me back. This is always a fun chat with y'all. And uh, yeah, wish you guys nothing but, you know, best of luck and success this year. Um, yeah, man, I'm the fantasypoints.com um, at Grand Barfield on Twitter. We have like a just incredible amount of content coming out in the next like couple of weeks. Um, we've been working on what we call like a franchise focus series where we focus on, you know, just one team every day, uh, breaking them down from a top to bottom perspective. Um, we have our whole staff involved with, uh, with those. So you get kind of everybody's perspective there. Um, definitely check those out. Um, Scott Barrett's been doing a phenomenal job with, you know, just breaking down, you know, draft theory stuff. I've got a bunch of best ball tiers articles up on the site. Um, and yeah, man, if you want to subscribe to, to the site, uh, no, now's, now's the time to do it, man. We're, we're right in the, uh, we're right in that sweet spot. Uh, it's August, September. It's, it's go time, baby. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, definitely check those out. And, uh, really, really glad to, to have you on. Uh, it was really great. And, uh, just want to remind people, uh, before you guys head out of here, make sure to remember that we are moving to a new feed effective immediately. So if you want to keep listening, uh, to Sean and I and uh, our wonderful guest every week. Uh, you need to subscribe to our all-new podcast. It's going to be called The Fantasy Flex. And uh, you just go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Hit that subscribe button. Keep listening to the shmoney. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker and me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. And you can follow us in the Action Network app. Also, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for our fantasy football content and our fantasy football draft tool. Till next time, let's get this shmoney.